At no time in Scripture does God ever tell us to be weak and timid, but rather we are to be strong and courageous. Even though we face a formidable foe and an enemy that is seriously trying to destroy us, we are to be strong and to be courageous in service to our God. We've come together today to talk about those times when we have the opportunity to serve our God, which is at all times, and to render service to Him as He deserves such duty and service. He richly deserves our love and our lives. If you'd like to open your Bibles, I encourage you to do so or to log on to your digital Bible, whatever you're using this morning, to Exodus chapters 3 and 4. We're going to spend our time talking about that holy ground that we sang about a few moments ago at the outset of our services. And so we'll read there in Exodus chapter 3 and in Exodus chapter 4 in just a moment as we think about reasons or excuses. Because sometimes we say, I have a reason for doing something or a reason for not doing something, and it could very well be not a reason but an excuse. And there are times when we act for God and when we are on fire for the Lord, and there are times where we may not be acting for God as we otherwise should. And that's what we're going to talk about over the course of a few moments together today. Thank you to our visitors for you being with us and for our members who regularly are a part of this church, this congregation. It is good to be with you, and it is good to be back with you after a week of preaching and Crawfordsville, Indiana. Some of you have asked where Crawfordsville is. Well, it's next to one cornfield and then next to a soybean field. And uh, Wendy jokes about, she says, how do, you, how do you navigate this part of the state? And I tried to explain to her the roads, that everything is based on county centers, and, but she gets confused because there's no mountains and there's no lakes and no rivers by which to navigate. But we are thankful to be back safely with you. And a number of you have been so very kind to ask how the meeting went. And I, I love that question. Uh, I love that question more than some other ways you could ask how the meeting went. But you asked if the meeting was good, and I think it was. And I was thinking about the vein in which Paul uh, would write to one church and say, the church at another place or the brethren at another place greet you. And so the brethren in Crawfordsville greet you. And it is a church of about 35 to 40 people. And we had a record crowd on Tuesday of 53, which was really exciting for them and exciting for me. I spent 10 years working with that church, and it was a good church then. It's still a good church. Uh, hopefully, in some small part, we did some good this week. But I did want to share with you this and ask for your prayers in that uh, four individuals, and I shared this with a handful of you on the way in as we were talking about how the week went, but four individuals showed up who hadn't been to church services in a couple of years. And they are out-of-duty Christians. They are not living as they should, but they chose to come to the meeting. And I was really impressed by that. And that really encouraged me. So if you can be prayerful for those four individuals that they'll use this as an occasion to kind of say, well, maybe I should reflect on where I am spiritually. Three of those four I actually baptized a decade or so ago. And so they're very special people to me that I love a great deal. And I want what's best for them spiritually more than anything else. But it's good to be with you to talk about 
reasons or excuses. And I want to start by just making a point that I think we can all agree to. And in fact, we have sang about this, and that is action is required for service to our Lord. There's no such thing as an inactive Christian. Now, I think it's an urban myth, but they used to say that if certain fish, like a shark, for example, was not moving, it would die. I don't think that's actually true biologically, but it sure sounds nice that you have to be moving in order to be faithful to your life. Uh, I remember a slogan with a hospital company out on the West Coast that said, bodies in motion stay in motion. You may have heard that from your doctor. You know, as we grow older, our doctors tell us that a whole lot more than when we were younger. But the fact is, is we are to be people of motion, spiritual action, because God has called us to service. But we get to choose how we respond. God calls us and says, I want you to serve me. I want you to live faithfully. But we get to decide how we respond. And that was certainly the case here in Exodus chapters 3 and 4 in territory in the book of Exodus that you are likely familiar with. Now, we as Christians responded when we chose to become Christians and said, you are calling me to serve you through your word, through the example of the apostles some 2,000 years ago, and we responded affirmatively. We said, yes, sir, I will serve you. We said, as the children sometimes sing, I'm in the Lord's army, and I'm ready to defend his cause to the end. We voluntarily agree to act for him. And that's what Romans chapter 6 is all about in that three to four verses that we read at the outset of our services this morning. If you want to jot that passage down and come back and look at it through the lens of Exodus chapter 3 and 4, I encourage you to do so because I think they fit together quite nicely. But let's be honest. We always want to be honest, right? Let's face it and let's be honest, and that is we don't always act like we want to act. We do what Romans 7 talks about, where Paul says, that which I want to do is the very thing that I choose not to do, and the thing that I do not want to do, I end up doing. And in that text in Romans chapter 7, which is sometimes a challenging text to read because of the way it is rendered in English, is that we do things when we know full well we should not be doing them. And we do like a, a palm to our forehead and say, what was I thinking? And we look back spiritually and say, why did I act that way? Because we sometimes make choices that are poor. And so what we end up doing is we have these reasons why we don't do whatever it is that we need to do. Or is it more appropriate to make the argument that sometimes we have excuses for why we choose to act a particular way. And so really, I've already given away the point of the sermon this morning. That doesn't mean that you don't have to pay attention for the next 20 minutes, but I have given away the point, and that is sometimes we say, this is my reason for not doing something or my reason for doing something, and it's actually just an excuse. And we can't be making excuses. And it seems to me that Moses had rationale or reasons or perhaps excuses for why he was unwilling to serve in the capacity that the Lord wanted him to serve. And that's the course of our study together today, because I believe that Moses is a perfect case study. The introduction to Moses here in Exodus 3 and in, in chapter 4 
is a perfect case study. We're not going to read all of Exodus 3 or all of Exodus chapter 4. That's a fairly lengthy reading of some 50 verses. But I do want to read a handful of verses and understand that God has called Moses to do a great thing. And if you're not familiar with Exodus chapters 3 and 4, I would say that 75%, if not 85% of this congregation knows this story well. Even people who are not very adept at Bible study know about Moses and the burning bush and God calls him and he says, I want you to serve me. Go to Pharaoh and tell my people to let my people go. And of course, Moses was reluctant. That's a nice way of putting it uh, in his uh, insistence that he was not the right man for the job. And we need to note that God sought out Moses. Moses did not put in an application online and say, I want to be the deliverer. But rather, God said, Moses, you're the man that I want for this job. And I think, secondly, it's very important to make this point, which is very applicable to us, and that is God knew Moses. You know, it's not that God chose Moses blindly. And then Moses says, well, here are the reasons or the excuses why I am unable to serve effectively. And then God says, you know what, Moses, you make some really good points. You're not the right guy. That's not the way that it works. God chooses us to serve him. Granted, we choose to serve him back. And we are in service to him. And he knows full well what our strengths and our weaknesses are. And he knows the various parts that we play in the body that we talked about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in our Bible class this morning. But I would submit to you that in spite of God's calling, Moses had his reasons, and I'll put that in quotation marks, for not serving. And that's the course of our study together today. I want to look at, if you would, a a handful of reasons, or maybe more appropriately, and I put in big capital letters, excuses for not serving. And one of the things that you may uh, see, and again, I'll give away the, 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 the real thesis or the thrust of the argument that I'm making, is that the same excuses that Moses made some 35, 4,000 years ago are the excuses that we can make as well, that we can be just as guilty as centuries and centuries later of making these excuses or making these claims. I want to look at those five, and we'll spend just a couple of minutes on each of those five. The first of those is this, I'm nobody special. Well, in some ways, I would agree with Moses that we are nobody special. God has taken us a people who were not a people and has made us a special people and has made us his own special people for his special purposes. I don't want to discourage you, and I don't want to dissuade you from service to God, and I certainly don't want to insult you, but without God in your life, you are a nobody, and I am a nobody. We are no individuals who are special, except that God says, you're special to me. And that makes all the difference. I don't need to be famous. I don't need to be on the cover of a magazine. Not sure I'd want to be on the cover of a magazine these days. Uh, But I'm not important in the world. But I am important to my God. Little did Moses know that he ran the risk of insulting the creator here in Exodus chapter 3. And I want to go back and read just a couple of verses here. He says in verse 7, I have seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. 
I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land. Drop down to verse 9. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore. By the way, up until verse 9, I can see Moses saying, you're right. It's time for some action to take place. Incidentally, aren't there times when we say, somebody needs to do X, Y, or Z? You know who the best person to do X, Y, or Z may very well be is yourself, the person who recognizes the need. He says, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I love the word you there in verse 10. I'm going to send you. Who? Come again? I beg your pardon? (laughs) I'm not sure if I understood you correctly. You're sending who? And I'm sending you, Moses. And what does Moses say in verse 11? He says, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, what is Moses saying there? He's saying, I'm a nobody. I am nobody special. And you want me to serve? You want me to teach the class? You want me to have a conversation with that person? You want me to perform some sort of duty in the public service? Of the, of the people when we come together to worship God on occasions like this? You want me to be the person to go and gently encourage that person to come back to church? I'm nobody special. And that's true. Because it is true to say that overconfidence is a very dangerous thing. I don't think anybody here is, in the, is, is likely to run the risk of that. Look at me. I'm special. I'll be the best preacher there is. I'll be the best song leader there is. I'll be the best inviter there is. I'll be the best encourager there is. None of us is going to be that foolish to say, I'm the best at everything. But at the same time, be strong and courageous, you host of the Lord, because underconfidence is equally dangerous. The Lord does not give us a spirit of timidity, as Paul wrote to Timothy in the New American Standard Version of the Bible but rather one of strength and power and confidence, broadly paraphrasing verse 7 of that chapter. It seems to me that Moses wanted God to find someone, shall we say, better equipped to handle the job at hand. Someone may come to you and say, you know what, I'm going to be unable to teach this children's Bible class. Would you be willing to step in for me? I'm not equipped to do that. And, I, and let, me, let me give the caveat here, the big parentheses or the big asterisk. There are some people who truly are not equipped to do particular jobs. Public teaching, because you, you literally, your knees would bruise. Uh, the idea of standing before a group of 10 people or let alone 170 people is the most frightening thing. You know, uh, it was said years ago that the two greatest fears of Americans who were polled were number one, standing in front of a group and giving a speech, and number two, dying. And I believe it was Mark Twain who says, what that tells me is that a person would rather be laying in the casket than giving the eulogy, because we are that scared of that. And that's okay. And so if that's you, I'm not saying that you're a horrible, rotten person. That's just who you are. But there are so many ways of serving 
and you, you all know that. You are special people who serve in so many small ways, and I use that word small very gingerly because nothing is small. Even Jesus would say, just a cup of cold water in my name, it's the small things that you can do. And so many of you are doing small things, making small purchases, investing in small pieces of time to help others, and that should be noted for good. But you are special, and to say I'm not special enough to fill in the blank is not really a reason, but I would submit an excuse. Second excuse is this, I don't know enough. Here's the thing. I agree that all of us as servants or as Bible students should want to know more. I don't want you to ever get to a place where you say, this book, I am an expert on it. And again, I I don't think anyone would be as silly as to make that claim. In fact, I've known of people who have read this book dozens of times and then just don't live it out because reading this is not enough. It's reading it and digesting it and living it out and practicing it that really matters. But the fact is, is we put off action sometimes because we don't know enough. And if that's the case, if that's our argument, we will never act. That's true with a person who's not a Christian. Have you ever known of a Christian? Because I have, I'm sorry, have you ever known of an individual who says, I want to become a Christian at some point in my life, but I need to know a little bit more about the Bible. I need to grow and mature a little more. And then you see them maybe a year later. How's that process going? I need to learn a little bit more. And by the age of 95, they say, I need to learn a little bit more. Better learn quick. You never are going to get to a place where you're so knowledgeable where you say, now I'm ready, if you have that attitude. And the same can be true for those of us who are Christians who are trying to faithfully serve our God. So he says in verse 11, who am I? Verse 12, I will certainly be with you. And this is going to be a sign that when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on the mountain. And then in verse 13 of the text... Moses says, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say, what is his name? What shall I say to them? I almost get the point that, or have this image that Moses says to himself in his mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convince God that I'm not the right guy for this job, for this mission. But I would suggest that this attitude of Moses is one of disingenuous and is made evident by God's lengthy and what I would call a well-prepared reply. God is not caught off guard by Moses. He knows the hearts of all men. He knew the heart of Moses. And he knew, it seems to me, that Moses was going to be reluctant to serve. But he says, I'm not going to let him get off that easy. I want to show him he's the right guy. You know, it's almost as if verse 13, Moses wishes it was followed by verse 14, where God says, good point, I'm sorry to waste your time. But that's not the case at all. Verse 14 says, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Verse 18, they will heed your voice. They shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt. You'll say, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met 
met with us. Now, please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. I find it interesting that you have a length of about five verses, which is a lot of territory to cover. And we just read two and a half of them where God has this well-prepared reply. God didn't say, oh, Moses, just forget about it. I'll take care of it. He says, no, this, step one, step two, step three. And it turns out, it seems to me, that the same that is true for us, and here's the application for us, is true for Moses. He knew enough. Over the course of those four or five verses, God is reminding Moses and reintroducing himself to Moses and saying, this is who I am. You don't have to be worried about not knowing enough. I'll be there and I will tell you what you should do. So I'm nobody special. I don't know enough. These are reasons or shall we say excuses for not serving our God. Number three, I just won't be effective. Well, it depends on how you uh, define effectiveness. Let me go back to where we began. And uh, uh, let, me, let me just, yeah, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I'm, I'm old enough now that I can be cantankerous from time to time. I used to have a man who, anytime I do a gospel meeting, his first question would be, he wouldn't even say how I was doing, how did the week go. He would say, Are there, were there any baptisms? And I understand where he was coming from, but it drove me crazy. Because his measurement in the success over preaching for three, four, five, six days was people being baptized. And that is a sign of success. And that's what we want. Don't get me wrong. But was the meeting successful that was here or there or elsewhere? Was the truth taught? Did people hear the truth? Did people maybe publicly respond to the truth? Did people consider the truth? If any of those things are yes, in my humble opinion, the meeting was a success. You understand what I mean? So that doesn't mean I'm going to be mad at you next time I do a meeting if you ask if there are any baptisms, but measure success appropriately. The same is true today. There may not be anybody that's baptized today. But is our worship service and the truth teaching still a success? We would say, of course it is, because the truth is being taught and because we are trying to be effective in the effective way of serving God. Moses expresses what I would call a real concern. He says, suppose, verse 1 of chapter 4, suppose they will not believe me. Suppose they will not listen to me. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Threefold, he gives these different Uh, reasoning, suppose they're not going to believe me and I will not be effective. Might I share with you just two very simple observations from this text? And the first of those is Moses had already been given the tools to be effective. We skipped over the first six to eight verses of chapter three. But you remember that in chapter three and in chapter four, Moses is given these miraculous signs the things that he could do, turn a stick into a snake, put his hand into his coat and it come out as leprous and then back in to be clean. So Moses has the ability to do these miraculous things by the grace of God and by God's design and power to do these things. And secondly, might I point out that God had already promised his divine aid. 
in chapter 3 and verse 12. He says, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And he says, I will certainly be with you, verse 12. When God says, I'm going to be with you, we need not ever ask him, are you going to be with me? And it goes back to what our brother Alan talked about. How often do we question God and his concern and his care for us? When he has proven time and again through his word and through the, 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 the trails of our lives that he does do that. It reminds me of probably the favorite verse in the book of Philippians and one of the two most quoted verses where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's not talking in a pompous or arrogant way, but he is saying that with God's grace, I can do everything that God wants me to do. And nobody will stop me. Be bold, be courageous, be strong. Number four is this, and that is I am not eloquent. And, you know, there are some people who are really eloquent. I mean, they say the right things. Some people are very eloquent in their writings. I'm thinking about uh, one particular member, and some of you know who I'm talking about, who when he or she writes letters, they are some of the most beautiful words put to paper. And uh, that may be more than one person. I'm just thinking about one particular individual that is with us this morning. But Moses here expresses what I would call a threefold concern in verse 10 of chapter 4. And you got to give Moses credit for uh, giving his reasons or delving into his excuses and being uh, forthright about the nature of his weaknesses or his uh, challenges. He says, oh, my Lord. Verse 10, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I don't know exactly what all this means, but I do know this, that if you look at the New American Standard or the NIV, there's an interesting statement that is made where in the New King James it says, I am not eloquent. Those of you that are reading from the New American Standard says, I have never been eloquent. I've never been able to say things the right way. Some have suggested that Moses may have stuttered a little bit. Some have suggested that Moses may have had difficulty coming up with the the right words at the right time. I remember that one of the most fearful things my senior year of college was oral comprehensive exams. And it was a hallmark of of the school that you would have to take a written two to three hour exam by paper. And then you would have to sit with three professors and for an hour answer their questions as they peppered you with objections to the way that you thought or the way that you uh, had conducted yourself over the last four years academically. And for some, that was truly a a paranoia kind of experience, the idea that I've got to be able to come up with answers just like that. And then for some, it was not quite so difficult. But you can imagine how that would be a, a, a paranoia kind of experience if you're not a very eloquent person and if you can't think on your feet very well. He goes on to say, secondly, I am slow of speech and I am slow of tongue. He really wants God to understand, I can't talk good. <laughs> I'm not good at this thing. And what's interesting to me is God doesn't answer back and say, oh, come on, Moses. It's almost as if, in my opinion, that God is acknowledging that indeed Moses may have some struggles with eloquence, with speech, with his tongue. But God has a response. He says, who has made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I'll be with your mouth 
and teach you what you shall say. I've always wondered if that's a comical statement that, that God made. You know, God does have a sense of humor. Uh, you can see that throughout the pages of various places. You can see that in his creation. God is, he's, he's creative. But he says, I made your mouth. And then I love the phrase, I'll be with your mouth. <laughs> you know, we think about God be with you till we meet again. Maybe someone should write a song, God be with my mouth. <laughs> That'd be good for some of us who sometimes don't say the right things or allow our brains to get ahead of our tongues. But God be with my mouth. And God says, I'll be there for you. And then number five, when all else fails, Moses is throwing everything at the wall to see if it sticks. He says, how about this? Find someone else. Get anybody but me. It's fitting that this was Moses' last reason or excuse. Although this is more of a demand, it seems to me, than a reason or an excuse. If you would, in verse 13, where it says, Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Anybody else but me. And that reminds me so often of individuals over the course of some 20 to 25 years that I've known. And sometimes it's me. We need to make sure this job gets done. We need to make sure this person is taught. We need to make sure this particular function is achieved. Well, let's make sure that when we say we need to make sure this gets done, you're not saying anybody else but me. Nothing wrong with asking for assistance or finding the best person for the job. But let's find an opportunity to serve. Let us do good unto all, Paul says to the church at Galatia, especially to those of the household of faith. He doesn't say, find others that will do good. You do it yourself. When we exhaust all of our reasons for the desire to serve or our lack of desire to serve, the danger is, is we'll say, God, not me. I've told you all the reasons, in quotes. I'm not special. I don't know enough. I'm not going to be effective. I can't talk real well. Just get someone else. And then notice for the first time God's reaction seems to kind of flip. At least it seems to me. Or at least is now at a point where he says, I've had enough. Verse 14, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, notice there was not anger at excuse one, two, three, or four. Now God is angry. He says, Moses, I'm angry. Is not Aaron your brother? I know that he can speak well. He is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I'll be your mouth and, I, and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. Then in verses 16 and 17, so he shall be your spokesman to the people. He himself shall be as a mouth for you. You shall be to him as God, and you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. Moses was done with the reasons, was done with the excuses. And it seems to me that, again, as an application for us, this excuse-making makes God angry. We do not want to anger our Lord. We do not want to pity our Lord or make him pitiful with us. We do not want to cause him to be grieved, in the words of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus in chapter 4 of that powerful letter. So let's close with this, and that is, what about me? You know, when you think about you, 
and I think about me. Don't think about anybody else. Just think about yourself. For just for a moment. Be selfish for the next 60 seconds. Just think about you. And I'll think about me. And yep, that's true. I'm nobody special. That's true. I don't know enough. That's true. I'm not going to be as effective as I want to be. That's true. I'm not as eloquent as I want to be. And I want God to get someone else. That's what Moses did. But before we are too hard on Moses, and we can be really hard on Moses and say, shame on you, Moses. You should have immediately said, yes, sir, I will serve you wherever you want to go. What about me? The fact is, is those all fit us. What about teaching a class? What about uh, inviting someone to study the Bible with you or inviting them to come to church services with you? What about just merely talking with someone about the Bible or trying to engage them in some sort of a spiritual conversation? There are so many different things that we can do. And that's in addition to keeping up the building. That's in addition to encouraging or cooking for or building for or repairing for your brothers and sisters in Christ. There are so many opportunities for us to serve. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you honestly say, I I don't know where I fit in, I don't know what jobs there are to do, I can guarantee you that if you go to our shepherds, I can guarantee you that if you go to one of our deacons who have their own responsibilities, I can guarantee you that if you approach an older man or an older woman uh, for whom you have respect uh, and say, how can I serve better? They're, you're going to be inundated. You'll, you'll have lots of options. You have a menu of options in how you can serve. Uh, that's especially true with a church of this size because there are so many needs for us to fill and so many opportunities for us to not make excuses, but instead to provide wherewithal to serve our God. Are you making excuses today for why you are not a Christian? I hope that we have outlined some reasons that are inappropriate for uh, not becoming a Christian. Uh, I suppose there's no appropriate reason for not becoming a Christian except that you don't believe in Jesus, and we'd like to talk to you about that. But if you believe in Jesus the Christ and you're willing to change your life and you're willing to confess that he is Christ and Lord and Master, we would welcome the opportunity to help you to become a child of God today. We would love the opportunity to help you study if you want to know a little bit more. Or if you're a child of God and you're not living as righteously as you should, and you've been making excuses, it may mean that you just need to make some some small adjustments in your life, maybe some big adjustments in your life. And those are of a private nature where you go to God and say, God, I'm sorry for making excuses. I'll do better over the course of the next few weeks as I try to improve. And if we can help you in that, In any way, we'd love the opportunity to assist while we stand and while we sing.